I'm, 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 I'm inviting Robin and, and Joe to help me today. Um, and this is Robin, my wife. And uh, yeah. And this is Joe, not my wife, but one of my best friends. Uh, I am the father of the donkey. So yes, yes. Father of the donkey. Um, Joe's, Joe's been one of my, my best friends for so many years. I'm so thankful that I get to, to do life next to Joe and Christy and their family. And um, as, as we were planning for the series this year, and we were looking at what each gospel writer, so if you're new to the Bible, the gospel writers, there's four of them in the New Testament, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So they're the first four books in, in the New Testament. And basically, those four books are telling the story of Jesus, all four of them, from different perspectives, with different purposes in mind. So this year, what we wanted to do for Advent, uh, this season of expectation, this, this season of like holy longing, is we wanted to look at each author and what they were trying to communicate when they told the stories of Jesus, especially the birth of Jesus. So if you remember, we looked at Matthew, who grounded the story in history. He wanted us to know that this isn't a fairy tale. We're, we're not like... We're not making this up. This was grounded in the reality of history. And most scholars would agree Jesus was a real person. The question comes, like, was Jesus who he claimed to be? So Matthew wanted us to see Jesus in the context of history. Uh, Mark barely mentions the birth narrative. So he, he hardly even gets to uh, give us a picture. When, when, we look, when we think about the Christmas story, the traditional Christmas story that we hear, it's, it's usually Matthew and Luke, those two versions. John and Mark both um, don't mention it in the traditional sense, what we normally think of. But Mark wants us to know that God has been bringing about this story for a long time. And this is, I, I hope you, you took this with you last week. I know this is important um, for all of us to know, is that, that God works behind the scenes of our lives even when we don't recognize him. Did you, did you know that? That God is working behind the scenes of your life even when you don't recognize him being there? And, and he wants to bring about good. And I think that's a great message at Christmas, to know that God is with us and he's working even if it seems like God is silent. So when we started looking at Luke, the narrative that Luke gives us, and it's a very traditional, I think this is the one that, that Charlie Brown uses when he tells the story of Christmas. I like that effect. I, I, that's good. Um, when we started looking at this, we found this repetitive thing, uh, this, this repetitive phrase, this repetitive action, and uh, I, I invited, you'll, you'll get why I invited these two up here to, to help tell this, um, and, and it Luke begins uh, his, his telling like this, and he wants us to know that this is not something he's just kind of heard about on the side. He says this, many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us, the events of Jesus. Uh, they use the eyewitness reports circulating, and he says, having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write a careful account so that you can be certain of the truth of everything that you were taught. So this is why Luke's writing. And as he, as he, as he begins to write, one of the first things that we find is that he, he speaks, the, the angel speaks to Mary, shows up in the, in the life of Mary. Now, you remember this scene in the, in, the, in the Christmas story? Angel Gabriel shows up and talks to Mary. And then Mary has a response. And uh, Mary says uh, in, in her response, "'May it be to me as you have said.'" And then she responds with this. She's 
I'm reading this in the message um, translation of Luke. She says, I'm bursting with God news. I'm dancing the song of my Savior God. God took one look at me, and look what happened. I'm the most fortunate woman on earth. What God has done for me will never be forgotten. The God whose very name is holy, set apart from all others. His mercy flows in waves after wave on those who are in awe before him. He bared his arm and showed his strength, scattered the bluffing braggarts. He knocked tyrants off their high horses, pulled victims out of the mud. The starving poor sat down to a banquet. The callous rich were left out in the cold. He embraced his chosen child, Israel. He remembered and piled on the mercies, piled them high. It's exactly what he promised, beginning with Abraham and right up to now. Now, can you imagine a teenage girl surprised by an angel? Uh, I remember I was in youth group one time, and the youth pastor, uh, Howard, asked us the question, what would you do if you heard God's voice? And one of my best friends in, in our youth group, um, he said, I would look for speakers. And, and our youth pastor, Howard, said, what do you mean you would look for speakers? And he said, well, obviously someone would be playing a joke on me, so I would look for speakers. Because God just doesn't talk to people. But here's a teenage girl. God shows up and speaks to her and tells her something crazy. Like, I know you haven't slept with, with Joseph yet, but you're, you're going to become pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And you're going to carry Jesus like God in the flesh. You're going to carry this child. And Mary's response is a song. Her response is to praise God in that moment. What would your response be? Um, no, thank you. I'll, I'll pass. I'd rather it not be like that. But Mary says, no, no, let let it be unto me as you have said. Like, may all these things come true. And then she worships God. So the story keeps, keeps going. There's, there's a story about Zechariah, Elizabeth, and the birth of John the Baptist, who we talked a little bit about last week. And then the, the, the actual birth happens as the children read it today, so we won't read that again, but in Luke chapter 2. And then some shepherds uh, are out in the fields and angels show up. And here's, here's what this, this part of the story tells us. It says this in Luke. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory sh- uh, surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel assured, assured them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. The Savior... Yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth laying in the manger. And suddenly the angel was joined with a vast host of others, the armies of the heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God has blessed. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for what they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. So the angels show up. They're worshiping God because they're angels. That's what they do. But the shepherds, in response to God's activity, what do they do as they return? to their? They do what? They praise God. They worship. Their response to this incredible story is worship. Now, I even that is kind of neat to see these, these moments of worship in the Christmas story, but it's not done. 
This is a little piece of the Christmas story that we hardly ever read or hear about. So uh, Mary and Joseph took Jesus to the temple to be dedicated. They were going through all the the Jewish rituals and sacrifices, all the things they were were to do. Simeon, uh, who is a good man, righteous and devout, eagerly waiting for the Messiah, takes Jesus in his arms and he praises God saying, Sovereign Lord, now I can die in peace as you have promised, for I've held your son. He praises God in the later years of his life, realizing he's experienced something not many people. So here's what I want us to consider today. Worship as a response to God. And this is why I've invited Joe and Robin. Um, Robin, uh, you've, you've grown up around kind of the worship world. You, you, you grew up in a home where uh, your dad literally wrote worship songs. He's a songwriter and owns a publishing company. Uh, but you listened to music from the time you were a little child. And so worship for you has been something you've, you've been a part of from, from the time you were, uh, you were a baby. You, you didn't even get to choose uh, being a part of it, but it was, it was a part of your life. Can you give us some idea of, like, in, in these years, having been so many years a part of it, not that you're that old, but, I mean, so many years of... of, of awesome. <laughs> Kind of what you're learning today about yeah. worship. Um, yeah, I, I did. I grew up in a home, um, a musical home. And like Matt said, my dad is a songwriter um, specifically for church music. And um, so that was kind of my world. And today as an adult, I look back on those years and realize that worship is, where, and I've said this before um, to y'all, um, but worship is where I feel closest to God. And probably because that was what I grew up around. And um, at worship, I feel like I can express myself in ways that I can't come up with the words, my own words. And so, so many times there are songs that bring so much healing and hope and um, because the lyrics are where my heart is. But um, Matt and I were just talking about this, that in the last few years, um, this little devotional that I know I've mentioned before too, Jesus Calling, has just really transformed my, um, my faith and my spiritual growth. And um, one of the main messages in this little devotional is thankfulness and gratefulness. And so I wanted to read this because this has framed... Um, I guess, a new perspective as I get older. (laughs) Um, um, It says, Rejoice and be thankful. As you walk with me through this day, practice trusting and thanking me along the way. And I love this. Trust is the channel through which my peace flows into you. Thankfulness lifts you up above your circumstances. I do my greatest works through people with grateful, trusting hearts. Rather than planning and evaluating, practice trusting and thanking me continually. This is a paradigm shift that will revolutionize your life, and it has. And so through my worship, is I feel like I am able to express myself um, in thanksgiving for what God has done. And because he has done, I trust him that he will do. Um, And so feeling that gratefulness of even though this is super hard and what I'm walking through is really dark, I know from the past, from what God's done in my life and his faithfulness, I know that he's going to get me through. And so I'm going to trust and I'm going to be grateful of the lessons that I learned through it. 
So that's what worship for me. Yeah. I, you know, oftentimes we get a little confused, like what is worship? It's this Christian word that like, what does it mean? And we say this all the time here that, that worship is all about turning your heart and your mind toward God. Like any time that you do that, whether it's in this room corporately as, as a church congregation or it's in your car or in your office, you can even do it at work. It's crazy. Uh, you can turn your, 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 your mind and your heart toward God. And, and to, to even break that down a little bit further, um, we say this, it's, it's turning your mind, your attention on God. Anytime you turn your attention toward God and your affection, your heart, um, that is a moment of worship. And that can happen wherever you are and in any circumstance. Um, we'll come back to this, but Mary uh, was facing the most difficult proposal in her life. And that's not to be married to Joseph. It was the proposal brought by God that, that she would become pregnant and carry the God of the universe as a child. Yet her response wasn't fear-based. It was one of worship. Thank you, God. It, it was one of turning her mind you know, her attention and, and her affection toward the God who shows up in our lives. And we can do that anywhere. Joe often says this, that, that worship isn't just Sunday mornings. It isn't just what happens in this room, but it's a lifestyle because it's about um, moment by moment being able to turn your mind and your heart back toward God. I mean, that's, you've given your life to helping us do yeah. that. Yeah, I, th I think when, uh, when, I, when you look throughout the Bible and you think about worship, um, there's a great passage in Romans 12 that says, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing. This is your act of worship. And uh, for me here, I get to lead music as part of worship. I also get to lead missions as a part of worship. And uh, that's, that's what I truly believe is that worship is not just about songs and music. It, that's, that's a part of it. Um, and it expresses truth sometimes in ways that we don't understand how to do that. But living your life in, in service in response to what God has done, that's worship. Um, and that can be done every day uh, in your home, at, at your office. It can be done um, uh, in service of your spouse or in service of your kids or in service of your mom and your dad, of your teachers. And that's what true worship is, is, is offering your body in, in response to what God has done and uh, living in obedience to, to what he's called us to do, to love others, to love him with everything that we have. Yeah, this, this I think, it kind of summarizes a little bit of, of worship and, and music is that it reminds us of God's truth while engaging our, our, our deepest of emotions. Have you ever found yourself in a worship service, like tears in your eyes, but you don't know why? Some of the guys are like, never would happen to me. <laughs> Rock solid here, Matt. Like, I'm a robot. I have no emotions. Um, but there are times when something arises in us that we don't know where it comes from, and I think it's the, the marriage of truth and emotion together. Like it's these songs that, 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 that say something that means uh, something to us in a way maybe we, we didn't understand before. And so I asked Joe if he would lead us in a, in a song, um, Joe, Joe and Robin, that has meant a lot to our church this last year. And I think, it's a, I think it's a Christmas song without being a Christmas song. You know what I mean? Like it, it says something about Christmas, but it's not a Christmas song. Are you with me? And um, we're just going to sit and sing this together. Is that okay if we do that? It's like um, sitting around the, the fireplace or something, and there's no fireplace. But um, this, this song um, is called Reckless Love. And what I love about this song is it, it declares this truth about God that oftentimes we forget, that God is willing 
to climb over mountains, to dig through all the, I think I can say this in church, all the crap in our lives. Like God is willing to dig through all of that to get to our soul because that's how much he loves us. Like God is reckless with his love. And I know that sounds a little like, I don't know if we can say that out loud that God's reckless, but God is reckless with his love because that's how much he loves us. And that's beyond how we would be with our kids, isn't it? I mean, wouldn't you be reckless going after your kids if they wandered off? Wouldn't you just be reckless with your money? It doesn't matter how much it costs. It doesn't matter if it takes me away from my profession, my, my, uh, my vocation, what I do. It doesn't matter. Like, I will pursue my kids at all costs because I love them. Well, how much greater does the Father love us? And so there's this little... These stories in Scripture in Luke chapter 15 that talk about the lost son, the lost coin, the lost sheep. And the idea there is that God is willing to, to, to walk away from the 99 in order to pursue the one. And I want you to hear this today. At Christmas, you're the one. You are the one. And I'm the one. That God is willing to leave the comforts of heaven to come to us, to be with us, God with us. And whatever it is you're facing, God's willing to climb through all of that mess to get to your soul. Now, that kind of God deserves our attention and our affection, doesn't he? So, Joe, let's, let's, uh, let's sing this song together. For I spoke a word, you were singing So, so good to me. For I took a breath, you breathe your life in me. You have been so, so kind to me. Only Chases me down, fights till I'm found. These ninety-nine, I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Only overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love. Coming after me, oh, 
chases me down, fights till I'm found. These ninety-nine, I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. All the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. So I, um, like this Christmas season, Advent, the season of, of expectation and longing, no matter where you find yourself, I hope that truth comes through. Like God entering into the world, in the form of a child, God with us, was about God pursuing us recklessly with, with, with abandon because that's how much he loves us. Aren't you thankful for that kind of God today? Aren't you thankful for that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Robin came home uh, from a, a worship, con- worship concert. It sounds weird. Passion worship night. Passion, Passion worship, worship night. night. They yeah. were here in Phoenix. Yeah, and she was like, there's this awesome song that they sang that, um, that I want you to hear. And uh, I had heard just a part of it uh, a couple months earlier, and I was like, oh, yeah, I don't like that song. And, <laughs> and she was like, no, 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 you got to listen to it and understand the, like, w- behind it. And um, usually I'm right, but this, in this case... And cabinet doors. <laughs> and cabinet yeah. doors, yes. Um, uh, but in this case, um, this song is a powerful song. We've, we've, only, we've only sung it um, a, a, couple of, a couple of times and uh, the, the piece that, that gets me and is such an important reminder, I think, no matter where you find yourself in, in life today, is that worship isn't just about turning to God in the joys of life. I mean, it's easy to worship God when everything's great, isn't it? I mean, it's easy to, like, when, when we have all these blessings and everything's working out like we want it to. I mean, it's easy just to say, God, thank you. It's, it's, it's a lot more difficult when you're walking through the darkest night of your soul. When that person that you loved so much betrayed your trust and you're not sure what the future holds when you've been given that diagnosis, when you lost your job. I mean, there's so many things that we go through in life. Uh, When we find ourselves where we never thought we'd find ourselves before in addiction, And what's interesting is that when we, when we worship God in those moments too, we find that worship does something within us that can't mold us any other way in life, in the, in the greatest joys of life. It just can't mold us in those, those moments. It's in the dark night of our soul when we're able to give Him our attention and our affection, still in those moments that God begins to work out something in us and shape us and mold us into the people of great love and compassion for those around us. And so Robin was um, telling me the story behind this song, and it's an interesting song. Um, It's it's talking, like the the repetition is, this is how I fight my battles, this is how I fight my battles, this is how I fight my battles, and they just kind of repeat that. That's why I didn't like it that much. I was like, they're just repeating, this is how I fight my battles, and all they're doing is singing. And, and, 
Like, I, I played football, and if I fought my battles like that on the football field, people would just make fun of me. Like, that, I don't even understand what that means. And Robin came home, and she said, no, listen to, listen to this story from Scripture that talks about this song. And um, so, so share that with us, just where this, where this comes from. Yeah. So this, this was from Second Chronicles chapter 20, and it's where Jehoshaphat receives, King Jehoshaphat of Judah receives word that these three people groups have combined forces, and they're coming at them at war. And so they have little notice, and honestly, they're freaking out. And so um, Jehoshaphat seeks God first, begins to pray, and then he calls the nation of Judah together to fast and pray. And as they're fasting and praying, Jehoshaphat says to the people, God has told me that we don't have to lift a finger, that the battle is his. And so they move forward in trust of what God has said. And in fact, Jehoshaphat talks to the people and says, I think we should put a choir out on the front lines to lead us into battle. And um, this speaker who was saying, he was like, I mean, can you imagine your worship leader in his skinny jeans leading you out into battle? <laughs> and that, I mean, it just made me giggle thinking about this choir leading this one nation into battle against three who have joined forces. It was the king's way of saying, I don't want to lose my best men, so I'm going to put the right. worship, like the choir up front. Just kidding. I, that was a bad joke. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, go back to the story, the yeah. real story. So they do, they, they, he puts this choir for God leading out the nation of Judah. They're singing and praising God, and they don't lift a finger. The battle is won, and the whole nation is just left staring at these three people groups who are, have just been annihilated. Because the nation of Judah walked in faith and trust in what God had said, that you will not lift a finger. And so some of the lyrics are, it may, it may, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like you are surrounded by three huge nations who've joined forces, but we know that God surrounds us. And so the words and lyrics of this song are just huge. And before Matt had knew the story, it just spoke so much to me. And so when I told him that story, he's like, maybe, maybe I do like that song. <laughs> well, and, and I was thinking in the context of the Christmas story, uh, Mary and Joseph, knowing that as, as teenagers, and they were probably teenagers, knowing as teenagers that they were going to face the difficulties that they were going to face, and yet they responded with truth in, in, in obedience to God. And that's what he calls us to do. In those darkest moments of our lives when it feels like we're surrounded, to trust that his, his spirit is with us, you know, that, that we're, we're surrounded by God's presence and and so um, to close today, we're going to sing this song. Joe's going to lead us in, in this song. And I think the whole crew's going to come out because it's a, it's a good, and we need to picture the choir.